Welcome to Research Conversations Podcasts, brought to you by Research Publications. Today, we're talking to Mark Fisher of Temporary Services and Timothy First Now. They have collaborated on the Museum of Capitalism, which was recently up at Jack London Square in Oakland and is now seeking a new place to exhibit. Thanks for listening. Hi, my name is Mark Fisher. I'm from the group Temporary Services. We also talked about some publications uh, by public collectors, and I'm uh, in the Bay Area this weekend uh, as part of the uh, Museum of Capitalism uh, taking place at the Jack London <laughs> building in Oakland uh, by co-organizer. Uh, my name is Timothy First. Now <laughs> I'm. Um, Part of the group Fictilis, which organized the Museum of Capitalism, which I don't think I really, I, I talked about sort of more personal things, I guess, <laughs> in the last hour. But uh, um, yeah. Um, um, is it still for, up? Uh, oh yeah, I don't know when the podcast is. Happening no, I mean, but the, the museum is open till uh, yeah. I gotta do some promo. <laughs> museum um, in. Jack London in Oakland will be up until August 20th. And then, um, yeah, so a few more weeks. And then um, we uh, were looking for opportunities to to bring it to other U.S. cities, I think. Um, And Timothy, will there be a catalog for this exhibit? Uh, There will be a catalog, actually, uh, in um, August. In about a week, uh, the the books will arrive um, to Oakland, and we're doing a launch at the museum space on August 11th. Um, and then it'll be available online through Inventory Press, uh, the publisher, um, and also at uh, somewhere on our site, museumofcapitalism.org. And it's um, I'm pretty proud of it. It's got sort of a bunch of short speculative essays by a bunch of different writers on the concept of Museum of Capitalism. Got a bunch of like drawings and illustrations from the work we've been doing, sort of leading up to the the opening of the museum. Um, that's it. Afterward by Kim Stanley Robinson, which is really great. Um, and, yeah. And you can learn more about Temporary Services work on temporaryservices.org. I have kind of a funny story about records and doing things you shouldn't do. I, when I was um, hauling junk in Detroit, mm-hmm. I, uh, I was living with my mother at the time, and also speaking of... Uh, things involving mothers uh and uh i had spent i was about to move out and i had spent most of the day clearing out uh the garage that i'd been storing like you know salvage stuff in and i sat down at like 4 30 and opened a little local like newspaper and i was looking at the back section that had the little like estate sale garage sale listings mm-hmm. and there's a listing that said estate sale uh hundreds of guitars thousands of records oh and I was like, that's got to be exaggeration, right? No one has hundreds of guitars, like thousands of records, maybe. But uh, I finished what I was eating. It was like just a few blocks away. So I had to go and check it out. And so I went and uh, I walked in and it was like every uh, surface, every wall was just stacks and stacks of records and not on shelves like, like yours. They were just like stacked horizontally. So like no human could sort through and see what was on the bottom of any pile because there was no place to put them all it was just a sort of like you have no idea what's there and every place you could hang something was a a guitar hanging um 
and including the attic with all these sort of warped guitar, you know, from all the heat and cold cycles up there. Um, and so when I got there, most of the good guitars had been sold. Um, and it was like, and I, I had like 10 minutes because they were closing at like five or whatever. I had like 10 minutes to sort of look through the records that I could. And I'm in line and I'm like the last person. And there's a woman in front of me and the guy behind the, the guy running the estate sale said to the woman, um, 50 bucks for all the rest of the records. Oh my God. And I just, my <laughs> kind of head exploded and I wasn't trying to sort of like, uh, uh, edge, uh, edge yeah, edge her, but I sort of just like was like, okay, like from behind her, you know, kind of like she didn't say anything. And I was like, are you serious? And he was like, yeah, we got to get him out of here. And he goes, are you serious? Like, you got to take them all. And, and like, I probably was the only person who'd come through that day who actually had the physical capability of taking them all because of my job. I have access to these. I was doing junk hauling in these big trucks. Wow. So he was like, yeah, come tomorrow and you can take all of them. And so I went over there and I basically spent the whole day filling back up my mom's garage with, like, <laughs> dozens of records. Um, and uh, most of them were super, like cheap dollar store like dollar bin quarter bin thing the story i sort of could piece together this guy's biography from his collection he was a he owned a shop in detroit on greenfield road called the pick and strum which is a guitar and music shop and he had passed away um and he had all, lots of folk records a lot of sort of typical classic rock like stuff that they printed millions of you know and then um he had like every Hawaiian record that you'd ever seen from like the sort of Hawaiian like craze, you know, and from photos that I found in there, it looked like he had a Hawaiian um, wife or partner of some kind and was like obsessed with Hawaiian music and Hawaiian culture. And there was uh, one hip hop record, just one. <laughs> and it's this record called Hawaiian Sophie. That was a single by this guy named Jazz, J-A-Z, who was Jay-Z's mentor. No, nobody, not, not a lot of people know about this. Um, and it was Jay-Z's first time on Wax. There's a young Jay-Z with these gold chains from, you know, from the 80s, like, on the, the front. Series wow. I started with Jazz, his mentor. Um, and so, uh, and that's probably worth something. Wow. Um, but, uh... More yeah. than $50, at least. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had a... I, I actually... I had... I invited all my friends over and said, take as many as you want for free. So my friends had a... a, a, a field day and then i had a garage sale and just sold them for like 50 cents each and got rid of most of them and then i went to the all the local salvation arms until they all told me you we can't take any more records from you <laughs> uh and then the rest went to the landfill wow so, wow yeah. oh god That's i hate the word landfill yeah away they went away wow yeah those are really uh those are hard situations I mean, it's amazing you had the ability to deal with all. It's surprising yeah. your mom allowed it. Like, are well, you kidding me? I moved them out pretty fast, uh, okay. but but yeah. <laughs> like, I was finally got rid of all your stuff. Wait, look at me just for a second. Sorry, in the intrusion. <laughs> yeah. So this is I brought you. Uh, this is the new uh, temporary services booklet we made um, with this author. Dan Miller, it's about um, this guy Thomas Kong, who, he runs a tiny uh, corner store in Chicago, and quite late in life, got started making collages. Wow. So all of these, he made, pretty much, the store's open something like 80 hours a week, 
and he makes collages at mm. the counter or on top of the freezer case mm. from all the packaging materials for all like the junk food and stuff that they sell there. And wow. the, the store is just completely covered wow. with, um, you know, it's like if Matisse worked at a Seven Eleven <laughs> or something. I feel like, and um, uh, and then uh, this young artist we met. Um, you know, who happened upon this store and just got really excited about it, um, started collaborating with him and organizing exhibits mm. kind of in response with other artists in this back room, storage room. Mm. Yeah, so that's a drawing then it's illustrated by an mm. artist who exhibited there, mm. uh, Ruby T. Um, oh, and but, then you have an interview with him. Yeah, so there are little interviews with him and... Um, description of all the exhibits they've organized and about their collaboration because you know thomas is like twice dan's age and dan's australian thomas is korean it's a really um it's a really interesting kind of multi-generational cross-cultural um collaboration and then there are like these mounds of cardboard collages in these racks wow. in, the, in, the, oh, wow. in the back. Oh, I mean, there it is. Yeah, because it's just all day long. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, he's Production. doing this. Yeah, he's <clears> producing. <throat> and um, stuff could never possibly leave the shop, you know, as quickly as it's made. Um, wow. But, uh, huh. but yeah, it's, an, it's, you know, it's one of those things that unless you're in this part of the city, you would never you wouldn't even really know. encounter. Yeah. So we thought it'd be great to, you know, make a booklet about this and so people could kind of understand this story from afar because uh, it's, a, it's a good one. Wow, so he actually cuts shapes out too. Yeah, so yeah. So that is like Matisse. That's what you brought up. Yeah, yeah. Matisse. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're incredibly, a lot of them are just incredibly balanced and he was doing things like um, when the shelves were kind of empty in spots because their st stocking is not very consistent he'll sort of fill in the empty space with these collages so it wow. makes the store look more full mm. um or there's like a broken freezer case and uh you know they filled that up with collages so it becomes this kind of like glass display case for more of his artwork um great and then these are all booklets i've been making um pulling material from um the main public library that is barely looked at or thought about which is kind of all of the printed stuff that's not like an internet terminal <laughs> it feels in, like in chicago mm -hmm. yeah so they you know they have all of these incredibly obscure um trade magazines that you can mm -hmm. see uh this one is all um advertisements for like for the correctional industry uh from this magazine corrections today for um prison wardens so marketing to wardens prison architects and you know it's this whole world of business oh, yeah that, <clears throat> the yeah like leash, ankle the monitors monitor right leash. right these are all from like the don't send um, them to jail send him home <laughs> <laughs> that's like the most optimistic that's like the most positive ad <laughs> in the whole uh, um but lots of these like really bad caricatures of prisoners like destroying things and escaping wow. and, or like film rental to prisons was a thing in the 80s so like you could they were trying to like get contracts to loan copies of like 
Dawn of the Dead and stuff or projection. <laughs> they have these ads and like the films that they offer are like, you know, Escape from New York, uh, Gimme Shelter was in one of the ads. <laughs> like, wow, they're trying to show Gimme Shelter in prisons. <laughs> oh yeah, here's the movie catalog for prisons and institutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's that? Who's that? That's uh, Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell. Oh, Kurt yeah, Russell. from. Okay. Yeah, Escape from New York. The verdict scene. <laughs> God, wow, this is amazing. So I've been just do, doing these small, uh, you know, I made six in the first year. I got a little that's, bit of... That's a lot. So they're kind of like, they're most of them are uh, risograph and then offset covers. This is all threatening legal notices from the toy industry. Um, from this... Uh, there's this magazine called Playthings that's for, like, the toy manufacturing and retail world. So it's all of, like, the ugly legal stuff you don't, you know, about your favorite child, about Manchichi dolls and Smurfs and Strawberry Shortcake, and they always have these ads. Um, when someone got caught stealing something from a design, you know, and marketing something too similar, like, there's one uh, from the makers of Big Wheel... Big wheels, remember those like three wheel plastic kind of go tricycle, tricycle like thing, yeah. things. And I guess you know, someone was making something with three wheels and used the word big <laughs> in the name, which was a gross infringement on <laughs> the company's design and wow. trademarks and everything. So this one has a, is that a oh, oh, shit. Sorry. What's wrong? What's wrong? Mark? There's a blank page. I found a, I found oh, a well. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to mail you a new one. No, that's okay. No. <laughs> that's it, shameful. I, I, it's I only because like there's a list and it's, uh, it starts with seven. I was like, where's one through six? That's yeah. bad quality control. This is what happens when I'm sleeping on the job. Uh, printing it up. I'll send you, I'm going to mail you a replacement. <laughs> I should hand write it from memory. Right, right, right. <laughs> Sorry, so good, a good friend tells a friend when you have a yeah. Here we go. We did make a little bit on your yeah, on your yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Missing pages will be replaced. Uh. Or just mail me the page and I'll do it. Yeah. We did that. Yeah, I'll give you. Plate. I'll yeah. give you a book that we did the same as. Here we go. There's a page missing. <laughs> this this book here we. At home. Yeah, we can exchange fuck up books. Right, yes. Uh, yeah, we I could have brought a, a, yeah. a many myself. Yeah. That is pretty funny. A friend of mine has this uh, this woman, uh, Sonel, who runs uh, Blonde Art Books. She um, she has the best idea. No one, I think, has fulfilled it yet. This has um, a, a page missing right here. And we stick in the page right there. <laughs> okay. Well, give them the page. I think it's in the box. Oh, is it? You have yeah. a box of pages? We can well, make. there's some that needed correcting. Oh, yes. What's the uh, blonde art books you said? It yeah, is, so she has this... Um, you can chop it down. Yeah, here, we'll, we'll let you chop it down and tape it in. <laughs> so the, the, this is then, like the original do-it-yourself. Fill the bear. Fill the book. Yeah. Well, what happened was a picture was added late, and the text flowed under it, and we didn't notice. You know how, yeah. in digital, anyway. We didn't do the wraparound. And all yeah, that. yeah, in digital, you can do stuff that you can't see. You think you're doing it right, yeah. but... Okay. But uh, this friend of mine has this great idea of um, 
that there should be a dinged corner uh, book exchange among oh, publishers because yeah. every publisher has a box oh, from the printer that someone dropped on their corner and you can't really sell them to yeah. stores. And, right. you know, I mean, there's some of those things. That some publications we've done, I have hundreds. Bless you. This one booklet, I must have 300 booklets that are just bashed. Scratch and dent oh. art book fair. Yeah, we yeah. Just hold one. Yeah, just free it's exchanges free. <laughs> between other you know who people want the content and don't care yeah. too much about the condition. Oh, we sell them at book fairs. Uh huh. Because people don't people who are actually going to read the books don't care. Right. Even though the bookstores care. Right. Right. But anyway, it doesn't hurt the print, mm -hmm. as you say. So have you been um, have you been traveling for all of the participating for the fairs lately or yeah a, uh -huh. a bunch of them well i usually at least help set up uh-huh and then Vale is the the salesman you know mm -hmm. he he talks to the people yeah i'm there i'm the support i like bring uh -huh. the food and stuff uh -huh. so and then i go shopping that's <laughs> right. the bad part right he's there selling books and i'm out there buying books yeah, my, my wife really does not enjoy the uh, the tabling experience. <laughs> oh, you bring it. these to book fairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gifties, yeah. yeah. you get. Great. Oh, great. Thank you. They're little, your little pile stars. Oh, yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm particularly excited to read this one. Yeah. So this is re this is very new, right? Yeah, pretty yeah, new Last for us. Fall. Mm -hmm. Last fall. Yeah, October. It came out Halloween. Okay. For us, that's new. Uh -huh. We're not as yeah. prolific as you. Well, you know, <laughs> it's I'm building the big book, you know, 32 pages at a time. It's that's kinda... what we said we were going to do with our zines. Uh -huh. Be brilliant. Yeah. Because then, the then you can always make something, you know. You don't have to wait for funding. Yeah. And, um, yeah, exactly. and it's just, it's just, I just find it's so much easier to sell. It is. A, a cheap, you know, a smaller, cheaper thing. And I feel like for traveling, um, I haven't really had the confrontation with customs yet, but I sort of feel like with a booklet, it's a little easier to pass off that it's promotional material or something rather you know, than... You know yeah, that yeah. books are, are not subject to duty. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I've okay. i this forever. Okay. And no problem. You can bring a whole bunch of brand new books like over there you know the old research books in your lu mm -hmm. our luggage whenever we travel with solid books yeah and a teeny bit of clothes on uh -huh. a backpack uh -huh. so you were mm -hmm. where, where did you go and you, you were in europe for yeah, we a did while a, right well, marion booked us a europe tour um, this year 2017 and last year 2016 in may mm -hmm. so we had two two-week tours uh, each year, but they always are different places, and they uh -huh. don't want you back again <laughs> the next year. Did you do things like this as much when there were more bookstores and there was never, a better? Never, okay, never. never. I, I well, you went to. to that BEA. Well, that's just the trade that one show. huge. But this trade is like show. the more American to, Library Association that's to reach kind other, of thing. Yeah, that. those are great. Those those are just to you can't make money that at them. It's just promotion, just and then promotion. you hope that those people buy books yeah. for their library. Or... For their books? Yeah. Excuse me. You can't, store. you're not allowed to sell books at those. 
Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. You're also mm. not allowed to carry your own boxes in. I mean, they have a lot of rules. Yeah, I, see, I, I slipped mm. in through, um, so the, in, I think it, sometimes it's in Chicago, the American Library Association. Oh, ALA, it used to yeah. be. Yeah, it has this enormous, it's at McCormick Place, which is like. Yeah, I, I worked a book It's something like there. a million square feet, you know, mm. it's like a, it's a convention center. Mm. And um, someone put together like this zine area. Where uh, Quimby's organized it once, I think, or they weighed in on kind of people to invite. And they just gave, like, zine people a small table that would have probably cost $800 for something this big, you know, at the ALA. And, um, I mean, for sales it wasn't great. I think I sold less than $200 worth of stuff. They did let you sell things, but... I mean, but the, the most amazing part was walking around and seeing how the major publishing and library into you know i mean l ron hubbard's science fiction publishing company had like this enormous you know this is massive booth with people in costumes from like the characters and the books and everyone is just giving away mountains of stuff like they'll have book signings mm-hmm. with yeah. people and it's just it's like how can you afford to or people would leave early and leave stacks of like 200 free books. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's more expensive to ship things back than. Like yeah. the waste was incredible. I mean. Yeah. Well, I, um, maybe nothing went to waste if there's enough people like me there. <laughs> well, I think like the folks from Pals would like come in at the end yeah. of the day or, or try to make deals with people and buy stuff for like a dollar a book. You know, Whatever. So. Yeah, that always happens at every fair like the last. Hour or whatever, people just want to not take stuff home. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, the, yeah, I, I always, <laughs> like, I don't leave anything that's like, yeah. given away. I mean, it just, yeah, it'd be, can't really do that. And my tabling experience, like, starts from the, the uh, Underground Publishing Conference in Bowling Green, Ohio, which is, like, a, back then it was, like, zine, like, early 2000s, it was kind of zines and, like, dish, like, radical distros and stuff you know mm-hmm. like who would just come and sell stuff but also give stuff away and mm-hmm. it was more about just like seeing the pla- the things you you didn't see in the big bookstores and stuff all in one place and mm-hmm. meeting people and mm-hmm. it was a great scene you went to Quimby's a long time ago when I remember I, when it was for that big book fair in McCormick Place mm-hmm. and whatever it was called it used to be called ABA then it became called BEA Book okay. Expo America mm-hmm. have you worked with uh, Steven since he uh, opened in New York I guess not oh you should yeah so um, so the original founder of Quimby Steven I can never remember his he has a complicated Polish last name um he was living in Amsterdam for a long time, and the original store was sold to Chicago Comics, who owns the Chicago store. And then um, Stephen came back to the U.S. and moved to New York, and opened a, a new Quim- a, a New York Quimby's in wow, Brooklyn. I didn't know that. Wow. Um, and uh, he's been great to work with. He takes like whenever we make a new booklet, he'll take ten copies of. You know, most stores they want. You know, it's like they want five copies, even if they get them ten times over. It's still five copies at a time. So to have someone actually restock with twice as many when you have multiple mm-hmm. titles like that. But he's been, you know, he pays 
he regularly. Buys them outright he doesn't buy them outright, but he's, he's just been selling things very effectively. So it's been, you know, another couple hundred bucks every few months or something like wow. that, which, you know, our stuff is cheap. So that means he's he's selling quite a bit of it. Cool. But, um, Wendy's was always good for that kind of stuff. Yeah, the store in Chicago. I mean, it. I'll, I'll get. I'll, I started using a bindery, so um, I'll just bring all of the collated pages and stacks, or not even collated. I'll just bring the stacks of pages, and the stacks of covers, and there's a place that'll just assemble. They'll collate, staple, fold. They, you know, they have a, the machine does like a nice trim so the pages don't, you know, stick out past the cover, and they'll do, you know, they'll make. 500 booklets for you for like 150 bucks or something wow. so i don't have to do any of that really tedious hand labor oh we still and do it's that nice. um, it's nicer to have it trimmed yeah yeah, yeah. um and uh you know i'll just bring stuff to the chicago store fresh from the bindery and they just take you know anything that's new it's great yeah, yeah we got a we got an 11 by 17 printer for the museum because we mm -hmm. knew we had to do so much printing. What's the cheapest there. best brand? No. I don't know. That's a whole analysis paralysis thing. I'm like, <laughs> you know, you're like looking at all. I have no idea. You know, you just read the reviews and reviews. before long you've spent like two hours like researching this thing. You know, like mm -hmm. so I think we got some HP um, thing. Oh, they're the best. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I actually we we go back and forth about it. The Andrea. Uh, hates that it doesn't duplex. It doesn't, or it doesn't, doesn't is that the right do, word? It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't do double-sided? Well, yeah, oh, so maybe you're in her camp, but I, I'm kind of from this old school, like, too many late nights at Kinko's, like, I, I have a suspicion of things that, things that can break, basically, and, like, when there's that operation of turning the paper over in the thing, like, if for what we're using it for, like, which is always, like, doing, like, big runs of flyers and things like that like i am just more comfortable like turning over the paper my, myself you know mm -hmm. like so um because we're not doing like you know just like small booklets print, print for my computer my plane tickets kind of like thing you know we're like it's always you're down there and you're dedicated you know and you're mm -hmm. sort of so i i uh i it was like i don't know it was like four hundred dollars more or something to get the one that flips the paper over and i was like $400, we'll just do it ourselves, you know, like, and that's on, on bad days, we're regretting that decision, but on good days, you know, it's like, right. well, that's something that hasn't broken, you know, like, I don't know. Right. No, it's right. true. Cause cause it's yeah. just another place where it can jam, and I've just been, had too many, like, you know. A lot of jams. Jams and stuff. The, mo the most life-changing thing with printing on a risograph is, uh, because those are, you know, it's one side, one color at a time. I mean, it prints very fast. But it doesn't do anything fancy, like flip the page over. But I, I never, because I was mostly using, you know, like laser printers or photocopiers, I had never seen a paper jogger, which is like, um, it holds about one ream of paper. It's like, it's a, it's kind of like, a, it looks like a file folder set on a metal base. And when you turn it on, it just vibrates really fast. So if you put in a ream of paper that's all kind of yeah. uneven from the way it came out of the machine, in like 30 seconds it vibrates it into a perfect stack so that when you feed it back into the copier you know it almost never jams into the machine it almost never jams because and also the registration 
yeah. is more even oh, right. because everything is really uh, banged square. Because otherwise, you know, when you're making 500 copies or something, you're endlessly banging the ream and tapping right, it, right. tapping it from the sides, and then by the time you've done that, you know, it, it like takes all the fun out of printing when you have to do that like nine times, you know, and and, and again for each color if there's more than one color, but just you know, it was like they won't line up. Yeah, it was like seventy five bucks to buy this battered old one that works great, you know, from someone off of Craigslist. And, a uh, paper, a jogger. paper jogger. We gotta get one. Yeah, we should look into that. Um, I had never heard of it because it's something never that unless you're, you work in a, like a print, like a offset print shop or something. Mm -hmm. I just never, you know, if you go on YouTube, you can watch like a million videos of people demonstrating how they work for their, as part of their sales pitch to go with their Craigslist listing or something. Um, I've discovered like the pleasure of watching uh, people demonstrate yeah. every brand of technology because they want. They want to link up the video to their eBay listing or something like that, so mm -hmm. they'll make some crappy two-minute video showing how mm -hmm. the thing works and, right. um, you know, because or if you buy the use, you know, these things don't come with instructions or anything, so half the time. Mm -hmm. right. um, wow. But yeah, it, I, I really it, it's it's great that you're like, after all these years, still like making stuff on the the kitchen table. <laughs> Well, it's sort of reverted back. Uh, yeah. Say, you've you've seen different, you know, different phases of this that are a lot, uh, a lot healthier than. Uh, I mean, things are healthier in a different way now. But but I don't you know do. If I use the word healthy. They're just different. <laughs> I'd say. I mean, I, you know, I so miss the days when you had a bunch of book wholesalers all over mm -hmm. the place, mm -hmm. regional and. And and you just I could just stay at home and do a book and send it to here there and there and mm -hmm. I didn't have to work book fairs. Yeah. <laughs> but but do you like doing it? Yeah. Well, I do now. I'm forced to like it. Okay. But I do like it because mm -hmm. I stay home. I've always stayed at home like all the time. Mm -hmm. Have stuff done. And it's better if you can get out and meet your actual readers. Now. Mm -hmm. On a regular basis, and other and other publishers, and uh, I mean, we wouldn't yeah. have met if probably yeah. if uh, not in the old days. Um, well, if I if we weren't at both at the L.A. Art Book Fair, because yeah. we connected there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and also, I mean, it pulls people from all over the place, so it's yeah. it's a lot easier to at least quickly um, connect with people at those events. I mean, it is a very, you know, short conversation usually, but, um, but there's kind of a whole network of publishers that I see, yeah. you know, at least a couple times a year because of one fair or another. Yeah, well, we're, we're definitely going to New York. I never went to New York till last You're going to go, you're going in September? Yeah, yeah Brett and I will both be there, yeah. so we'll yeah. see you there. We'll be there, we'll be there too. Right. Why, why is FedEx now right. cheaper than UPS? I don't get it. It used to be the opposite. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Everyone using FedEx now instead of UPS. The UPS stores in Chicago uh, are so... They're so limited in what they'll do because each... It seems like each franchise... They're franchised and... Um, I wanted to ship something with an account, someone else's account number. And... The, like a you know the main branch downtown, which is like entering 
I'm not sure which circle of hell that is like, but it's 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 pretty close to the core. Um, and uh, you know, they they said I would only or that only there can you ship you they because they have the, they abide by their own rules or something because they're a separate franchise. They're each I guess each owner does certain or they, or they won't insure things unless they've packed it themselves and they charge some astronomical amount to for all of their materials and their packing services. You can triple box something but they won't insure it for the amount you want if it's more than $200 or something like that because it wasn't done by them. Um, there's all kinds of ridiculous stuff they do like that. So I usually use FedEx also. There was someone we were shipping, we shipped with once where it was a shipper who had a, um, it was Magnum in New Jersey who normally they consolidate things for book really? publishers wow. to ship, you know, if you're shipping a lot of stuff. But I think we were shipping under 70 pounds of books or something. And he had a thing where we paid him to use his international FedEx account. Oh, international. Account. And um, he got such a heavy discount that wow. he could sell us the use of that account. And it would still be about 100 bucks less than if we did it ourselves. And he would still make money, you know, if we, because he just got like a huge volume discount or something. Hmm. Um, well, I've heard of people who, little publishers like me, we who send books to some address in New Jersey or something. And then I think that, really, that's probably Magnum. Really cheap yeah. To get them to England. That's probably Magnum. They're in New Jersey. Yeah. Will, will you ever want to organize anything in the future that requires this much international shipping? Uh, it's bad enough with books, with like artwork. It's a whole other. Uh, yeah, ooh. maybe. Well, <laughs> artworks are a nightmare. Insurance and right. everything. Packing, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if we do another version of the museum, um, there'll be some more, more shipping. But. Well, you did it once. In theory, next time's easier, but. Yeah, yeah. You can write the book and how to do your show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what a headache, because we know a guy who, he made pretty good money just working here. He was an art mover with, a, I don't know like whether he used his own van or probably had someone else, and it's all bonded. Mm-hmm. And the warehouses are super guarded and and anonymous looking and for art. Right, right. Art warehousing and storage. Yeah, that's because it's an enormous industry. He became, yeah, I mean, he made a good hourly rate working for him. Yeah. I'm always impressed by these part time jobs you can get that pay 25 an hour or something. That's a lot for me. Maybe it's not but for the real not world. Not anymore, it isn't. Yeah, my favorite short gigs are the uh, the visiting artist lectures. Because uh, usually those pay about $150, $200 to come in and give a talk for, you know, an hour, an hour and a half to some class. I usually try to get about, usually it seems like I get about eight or so of 
six to eight invitations each, you know, in the fall and some more in the spring with enough, I have enough friends who teach in Chicago. So it's like you get access to all of those students who sometimes, you know, wind up, you know, staying in touch and being interesting and like, or they remember that you visited their class two years ago and, you know, when they're out of school now and like sometimes doing really great stuff. And um, so it's like you get, you get the audience of the students without having to actually deal with being a full-time yeah, professor. Right? Yeah. Without grading them or taking attendance and all of, or dealing with uh, faculty meetings and all of this really tedious stuff. But um, mostly around Chicago or you go sometimes, sometimes elsewhere. But um, I think in maybe the end of January, a friend who, does the lecture series at um, School of Visual Arts in New York has some has some resources to fly us out, but Ooh, um, but just around Chicago, it's it's uh, there the, you know there are a number you know there's Northwestern University, there's the Art in- School, the Art Institute, there's Columbia College, there's University of Illinois at Chicago, and um, Chicago. Um, so the, you know there's so many different schools and if you have mm-hmm. friends who teach in all of those places who, and of course, like, I mean, when I, when I taught at Columbia college, I, I was thrilled to, I mean, yeah, they didn't give you very much money. You could only pay someone a hundred dollars, but I would always spend that money because the students get to hear mm-hmm. some interesting person and it's another hour and a half. I don't have to talk, you know, which is, right. I'm sure they're like yeah. thrilled to not hear me for, <laughs> to get a break for an hour and a half but uh but that winds up being you know that winds up being a pretty good uh um yeah i mean if i had a if i had a teaching job in san francisco like of course i would want to spend the school's money to have to bring right you. yeah um elizabeth thomas brought did she bring you in or did students come here or she, she, she teaches at cca Wattis Institute sometimes. Oh, you did something with the J.G. Ballard, but that was through the C.C.A. Wattis well, exhibition? Yeah, Jamie, but he is not here anymore. He, he was temporarily working there. Oh, uh, okay. He's from England, and he he knew about research. Uh-huh. So I did, we did a J.G. Ballard presentation with original footage and, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and all that stuff, video. Mm-hmm. And, and so he did that, and then... Um, the woman who died. Um, oh, Lee, Mar- Lee Markopoulos. Lee Markopoulos brought her class over here. Okay, I think that was a class that Liz Thomas was teaching paid, with her. Some of the students bought some things, so <laughs> whatever. It's okay with me. Yeah, that that was really uh, the loss of her, her partner yeah. Stephen Lieber before that, and now um, yeah, Ted Purvis, because these were all people who... Did you know Ted? No. Did you ever meet Ted? No. Who's that? He he was he brought us to San Francisco for like the first time in two thousand and two, something like that. Wow. Um, well, I know he knew your work very well, but um, he uh, he was in charge of the graduate program at um, CCA. At CCA, yeah, in the, the MFA program, um, and wrote a, knew a lot of he were he and Stephen Lieber worked together on a book about ephemera, printed ephemera designed by artists. Mm. Um, Stephen had this whole attitude that, you know, when 
when artists design their own postcards and posters and buttons and stickers for their exhibits, you know, that should be considered an important part of their body. Oeuvre. Their oeuvre. <laughs> uh, exactly. Or a herb as a... Uh, they're Irv, <laughs> as one of my old professors, <laughs> you know, from New Jersey or something, used to say. New Jersey <laughs> um, But he took that stuff really seriously. And every, uh, museums were, like, throwing it in the garbage, you know, because uh-huh. they just thought it was, like, junk mail that you get when someone has an exhibit. Then, you know. Um, oh, good. Someone legitimized the word ephemera and the concept. <laughs> You're right. Wow. But, yeah, the, yeah, there was, yeah, the last time, I mean, yeah, I think it was the last time I came out. Yeah, I did two talks at, and studio visits at uh, CCA. See, that's like the thing to try to do when you'd have to travel for a book fair somewhere else is to, else is to alert your friends who teach yeah. in New York. And if you have time to be mm-hmm. there an extra couple of days, see if you can visit there, especially September is like prime time, right? Because the... Yeah. The semester started, so yeah. um, they're all booked up in some cases. It's like they book it so far ahead. I did that yeah. in uh, LA one year. I did three three class visits before the fair started. Brilliant. So it was like pay for it. Yeah, it was like seven hundred bucks or something on top of whatever happened at the fair. It was great. Yeah, we should do that more. The other thing I always try to do if I'm if someone flies me for something like a talk. I'll usually try to see if it's possible to stay an extra day or two because oh, sometimes the housing part doesn't cost them anything. Brilliant. Right. Like there was a friend in, uh, or you can like stay with people, but because I hate flying somewhere and flying back the next day. You're right. Um, but uh, I mean, I did that. You know, I stayed with these guys, and uh, so I came in a day early just so that way if the flight screwed up and oh, you know right. you're not like panicked right before your talk, but. But also, you know, we got to see and do extra stuff. Uh, In Portland, the Portland State University, I think they own a Holiday Inn. And the students, it's like their work-study job is to run the the hotel. Um, So I asked for two extra days or something. Brilliant. Yeah, they didn't care. It was like in their, they owned the housing. Or you're in a dorm or something. That is brilliant. Wow, so you don't get paid more, but at least you get to see other, right. you get to see something and make it like an experience and not just, you know, right. a, a job. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow, that's for two extra Yeah, no, it's a, good, it's a good it idea. In Europe, we didn't have time to do that. Yeah. Oh, well, sometimes there just isn't. But because yeah. we just ended up scheduling it all. Right. But L.A., we could do that or New York. Going anyway. There's got to be. There's got to be someone who should pay. Yeah. Give a talk. Yeah. We're trying to get something going in L.A. Maybe we can line it up for February. Oh yeah. 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 Are you performing um, live too, or? I haven't yet. I haven't. Okay. I'm willing. Uh Is this new though? But I haven't been doing music. I got it about a year ago. Okay. Really that long? I think it's been almost a year. Because yeah. the first thing you used it for was the Bruce Conner film you made. Well, that was the first time I played it publicly, <laughs> and I had done a certain piece based on, you know, It's All True, the Bruce Conner exhibition, 
was called It's All True. Okay. So it was kind of around that we were having. It was a retrospective? Or... Yeah. It was a huge uh-huh. show in San Francisco and went to New York and I wish I could somewhere in New Spain. York, New York, San Francisco, then Madrid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But a huge But show. I was going to just play the sound. The mm-hmm. I was going to mm-hmm. play the sound at the show and then I thought, well, nobody listens really, but if you make a movie, then... People uh-huh. watch the movie and they listen. So I mm-hmm. did add mm-hmm. footage and I showed the film uh-huh. there. And I've uh-huh. showed that also in Europe when we yeah. went on our uh-huh. tour. I had a whole show. I could do anything. Live. I mean, it's just I do the same thing. You just have to be able to get through TSA with something that looks like that. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> you know, the, these cases are all advertised as carry-on size. Uh-huh. You can even bring it on Ryanair. I mean, they had this is all part of the uh-huh, listing, uh-huh. so uh-huh. I have to, yeah, it's heavy, mm-hmm. but yeah. I'm trying to get a lighter one actually. Uh-huh. Yeah, because uh, as long you. as you don't look efficient. like it's heavy, you can carry it. I was thinking, you know, yeah, more yeah. than it looks <laughs> like it's a bomb, yeah, you know? right? I know. I have friends who do, uh, really. You know, quirky uh, experimental sound stuff, and whenever they have to travel to perform, I think okay. they're always on edge. I, I have, a, I have a friend to... who makes these installations with things like, you know, 15 uh, baby monitors, <laughs> you know, and, and stuff like, or like multiple, like, he, he did one thing, I think it had about a dozen smoke alarms or something, and stuff like that looks really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Concerning in uh, right. in your luggage. Well, even the video things I carry, like the plug-in, this and that. I think our suitcases have are always open. Uh-huh. You know, I pack as much as I can. That's not mm-hmm. fragile, and there, but there's always wires and things. That you get the little mm-hmm. card that says we have ex- inspected this suitcase. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I always I always get those. I should start a collection. I can wallpaper oh, yeah. a room with. Them. Hey, that's an idea. <laughs> ephemera I hadn't thought of collecting a, f- a friend yeah I did uh, I made these posters that I brought to the I shipped them for the New York Art Fair because um, they say uh, we would feel safer without police and uh, I, I wasn't so much worried about like something happening to the posters I was worried about TSA seeing those and just like vandalizing other Trashing things in the luggage stuff. you know Smart. did you hear um, about Aaron Gatch yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting, getting, yeah. Yeah. We got like a, a friend of ours who does like work that's critical of the kind of police and. He works under the name uh, Center for Tactical Magic. Yeah. He had that great collection of wands in yeah. the exhibit. And, and, and also and wands. The, it was like a case full of like consumer products that resemble, that, that can be thought of like magic wands kind oh, of. Magic. He kind of works this idea of magic in a lot of different ways. And he also did the universal handcuff keys. There's a whole wall of all these keys to handcuffs that you can take. And um, he had he had actually had just installed that piece, like the first version of that in, piece. In Brussels, in, uh, right? Yeah, like in, I think, Belgium somewhere, but maybe mm-hmm. Brussels. And he was on his way back and got got stopped. And it's it's hard, you know, it's it's hard to sort of speculate on why exactly he was like singled out but like you know you you wonder whether it's because of his work you know um mm-hmm. maybe and, very easy to google uh, his yeah, name and yeah. immediately find records of his artwork or yeah. i mean any of us you know right i mean someone could easily easily see yeah. oh this guy published pranks like that 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 you know describes all kinds of illegal behavior 
Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, I would, let's say it, I wouldn't say it's illegal. It's just gray area behavior. <laughs> <laughs> I read of an art piece once where somebody at the airport took somebody's luggage who they didn't know, Ooh. and they just overnight and they examined it and then did a report like well there was like a dog hair that looked like it was a German shepherd and this person was staying in a place with pollen or whatever (laughs) (laughs) scientific study of what was in the suitcase and then they wrote a note of it and then they brought it back to the airport and left it you know so the guy would get it back Uh the next day that was pretty I like that one guy who, who like preemptively documents his entire life. I forget his name. Do you know what I'm talking about? He's like, there's some guy who's like, I think he's Middle Eastern. Um, uh, you know, he, his name is probably like Muhammad something or whatever. And he just like, he's on, his name is like on the list, you know? And he, he kind of developed this practice of like over documenting his entire life and he puts it all online and sort of like, and that's like the the piece kind of mm-hmm. um, I forget what his name is, but it's like, and he sort of like sends um, like makes it available, and I think maybe even sends it to like the authorities like uh, as this sort of practice of almost like sabotaging like terror over surveillance, or, you know? Yeah, um, and he sort of like here's everything I'm doing, like, and it's, here's it's my funny. preemptive. Yeah. Hence the word preemptive. Yeah. But it sort of exposes how, you know, ridiculous their mm-hmm. sort of surveillance is. Wow. But, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know, the, the tedium of, uh, yeah, travel is not as fun as it used to be, that's for sure. And I saw this woman in Mexico City with, she had a, a water bottle wrapped in newspaper for some reason, and it just, I mean, it shut down everything for, and, and like, we were all, we waited an extra hour while they had like a mini conference over this and everyone was smelling this bottle and this was right after September 11th but um but I couldn't I mean I just like thought I was going to miss my flight over yeah one person's confusing wow you know I mean that was they were opening everyone I mean they were actually searching in front of you know just to check get not even customs just before security you know in the just putting your yeah, that was when they took uh, they took all extra batteries. If you're traveling with extra batteries for your um, for your Amazon. like CD player or something, disc, man, you know, they would take anything that was beyond what w- went inside the. I had like extra batteries with me for something, wow. and they confiscated. and they confiscated the extras. Shit. They're so inept, though. That's the thing. Like, I've I've gotten I've gotten some like little like. Jack knives, Swiss Army knives, like taking oh, you know, that yeah. I forgot were in my bag because they're just like whatever. I was going camping or something, and but then I've also had them not, not found, and then I find them on the way back. And this is one time I was going through Detroit, I think, and on my way back, I uh, like I, you know, I had this knife that like got through security, and I went up to TSA and I said, hey, like, just so you know, like, I I I just got this through, you know, like. Uh, in case you like you guys like want to know like you know keep, in case you keep track of that kind of thing like who was working when that happened or whatever and they're mm-hmm. like oh no don't worry about it. we don't we don't keep track of that like <laughs> it's okay you're fine and i'm like okay i'm fine but like 
that doesn't make me feel well, safer. What like, if I wasn't fucking? Right, right. It's like, like ah, we don't track it. Don't worry. Like, we saw an exhibition of someone had bought all of the knives that were confiscated. San Francisco era. And they, they <laughs> oh, had yeah. to sign Thousands. some weird paper about mm-hmm. they weren't going to do something with them. But they made all these art pieces, just of, you know the yeah. red thing. Oh, that, that must that. be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was I a, bet that's why. Uh, it was a woman. Who it was it. a woman. Yeah. Because sometimes they have, <laughs> like Illinois has these state auctions. Oh right. And every now and then I'll I'll look at the listing just like to see like what they're getting rid of. And a lot of times it's like cars or, you wow. know, building equipment or something. But there are occasionally like these very large quantities of knives and I never put it together that it might be confiscated. That it might be con- like I it's, I always thought it was maybe someone like owed back taxes on their business and they but yeah I'm gonna have to I'll, I'll keep an eye out for that. Yeah. I bet it is yeah. from O'Hare Airport yeah. or something. With thousands but, of them uh-huh. made into like patterns like uh-huh. mosaics and yeah. Yeah. Yeah there's a I think there's a few arts who've done yeah. similar things with those kinds of yeah. airport. This was years ago we yeah. saw that one. Right, like five or six years ago. Yeah. Or more, too. Or more. And then at the same time, they had an iPad, and you could you could tell your experience at an airport security, I guess. And they were collecting that as a video. part of the mm-hmm. exhibition. You know the best, one of the best, uh, is it a Tumblr or Instagram, the TSAs? Do you know about this? No. Andrea was upset. Oh man, it's it's amazing. They have pretty good TSA social media. has a Tumblr. They have a it's like a Tumblr or an Instagram and they'll post these like weird like throwing ninja throwing stars and things that they find. It's really hilarious. It's like it's yeah, it's very entertaining. And then occasionally there'll be like a portrait of one of their dogs, like, This is Fido in New Jersey, like, you know, uh he uh, meet, meet the animals. He, he, of, yeah, they'll do of little of profiles TSA. of their dogs, but then like the items that they find, they're really funny. Like birds, a lot of times, like that people are trying to st- like smuggle, smuggle exotic smuggle animals yeah. or something. It's it's. I highly recommend uh, <laughs> a, a subscription to that feed. Um, wow. I'm gonna have to get on Instagram just to follow TSA. Yeah, 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 no, it's it's social it's media. Really, it's great. Yeah. You know, Gina Lamb once, this woman, she works, she does taxidermy. She's a performance artist. Mm-hmm. But she's she, in L.A., right? She's in L.A. now. I'm not sure what she's doing now, but she was doing a lot of things with animals. And huh. she had a bird she wanted to bring somewhere on her, on an uh-huh. airplane. Uh-huh. So she made a fake paper mache pregnant belly and brought her <laughs> bird. I mean, this has got to be 30 or more years ago. And brought her it bird. Worked. with Yeah. <laughs> And got through? Yeah. I mean, they weren't checking half as carefully then. My my mom in this in the early 70s, I think she and some friends, they went to a movie, and my mom, like, hid a big bag of popcorn under her shirt and, uh, you know, looked nine months pregnant. And then the, um, the person taking the tickets noticed her not pregnant looking on the way out and was, like, didn't put it together. <laughs> And, uh, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I thought maybe I was born during, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, uh, whatever they went to go see. Speaking of TSA, I once had to travel for a fair with a greeting card spinner, like one of these wire metal racks, you know, Uh and they have these bases that, and so I had this thing in my backpack that was like this, like, you know, 18 inch kind of like four pronged thing that they took. They said it was a bludgeoning object. (laughs) <laughs> so they they confiscated, they confiscated it. it yeah 
should probably get uh, get going soon. Um, I don't uh, want to keep you all morning right, too. You have to. You're on your your job starts, uh, or it already started, right? Uh, Someone's covering your. Oh no! This is the museum weekend, Monday and Tuesday. We're we're off. So. Oh, you're um, yeah, this you're is off. Like, this is like my Sunday morning, mm-hmm. Sunday afternoon. Okay. I was gonna try to go over to SF MoMA because a friend of mine. I'm calling in all the favors on this trip, and so a friend gave me a free ticket. Oh, yeah, so, that sound exhibit. Yeah, and so I want to see this sa- and the yeah. monkey exhibit. Yeah, yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah, the sound exhibit's pretty cool. Uh-huh. I heard, I heard really good things about it. There's one thing that takes, it's a whole hour if you want to spend that much time, mm-hmm. but it's a installation of 10 screens on mm. a immersive environment you can come in and go but it's like you can say it's not boring uh-huh, uh-huh. to watch the whole thing uh-huh. so time it right is what yeah if you could get in when it starts because it is a one hour thing uh-huh, but uh-huh. you can come and go and find out when it starts whose who's work is it do you, do you remember oh god it's an Icelandic person I can't remember their name but it's on the other side. It's like you get off the elevator and everything's in front of you, but actually you have to go around the corner to the back. The guards okay. will alert you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. But if, yeah. Thank you for the tip. Yeah, that's, that's it's good to cool. know. Yeah. I watched the whole thing. Yeah, it was cool. So Temporary Services Project for the Museum of Capitalism is a series of uh, photos and prints um, showing... Uh, what we call abandoned signs. Um, and these are um, signs from retail establishments, businesses, companies um, that have uh, that have closed and either, in some cases, the signs are still quite legible. In other cases, they're covered over by temporary pieces of vinyl. And um, in the presentation I gave, we kind of looked at... Um, some of them also reference uh, obsolete business models. Like, for example, um, there are very few video rental stores available or um, a number of big box stores where many, many chains have closed. Uh, like uh, in Chicago, many CVS stores have closed or Payless Shoes wow. stores have closed. And... Um, for us, this was also kind of a way of looking at... Uh, I mean, it's a phenomena that plays out differently in different regions. Um, my collaborator in temporary services, Brett Bloom, lives in uh, Indiana near Fort Wayne. Um, Chicago has a housing crisis in terms of um, a shortage of affordable housing, but a huge surplus of empty business facades, retail spaces, or uh, huge empty big box stores, which would require very dramatic uh, changes in zoning, right, to be able to turn into, be turned into any kind of housing, um, or or dramatic uh, uh, payments to aldermen to persuade them <laughs> by developers to uh, persuade changes in uh, in zoning. Um, so that was that was the work we talked about, and then we uh, I led a workshop for our group on uh, last weekend where. Um, 10 participants walked around uh, the vicinity Oakland. of yeah in Oakland uh, photographing failures of capitalism um, so people found things like um, pay phones for example that are still public but 
broken. Uh, still, you know, they contained like a hanging plastic shell from a chain that used to uh, hold a copy of the Yellow Pages, which is also a kind of obsolete business model. Um, people photographed uh, free newspaper boxes that used to distribute publications that are no longer printed or, or things like real estate guides that people probably don't consult a printed magazine for. Um, uh, a lot of people photographed um, the relationship of the various bail bond places to the, uh, the jail downtown um, and that whole industry. Um, one of the participants in the workshop was temporarily detained by deputies outside the, uh, the jail for photographing a sign that they uh, didn't want photographed. Um, but it was interesting. It was an interesting activity. We spent about 90 minutes taking pictures on our own and then we came back and everyone um, gave a little presentation of their their photography and uh, they're also sort of interesting capitalist models that um, there's a group of uh, of women each selling in this is very close to Chinatown um, selling uh, produce from probably their personal garden so you'd see someone with you know three onions, one squash, uh, you know, a couple radishes, <laughs> you know, like, like each person maybe had only a dozen different things that were all likely grown in their own personal gardens. And we're just kind of lined up, uh, yeah. with these offerings, which is really, uh, quite stunning. It's pretty small. I mean, I, wow. Yeah. It's a pop-up concept too, which is, seeing more and more life in official capitalism. Mm -hmm. Like I just read an article in the Financial Times about how a lot of these, you know, you only have 30 minutes to shop on the average when you go through an airport. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of these stores are, that are kind of more luxury mm -hmm. are losing money because suddenly they're not in the right location. Mm -hmm. and, and they, I never thought about this, but they they started pushing the concept of they force you to walk through all these stores, mm -hmm. force you to just to get to your next plane connection mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. something. Right. And, and so you have to walk right by these luxury goods or whatever the mm -hmm. hell they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, I never thought of that before yeah. when, I, when it happened. Right. It's the like, one that kills me is always when, like, JF, when, I think it's JFK or that has a Muji store mm -hmm. one of those there's one airport yeah where they have like which and it, which is actually you know reasonably you know it's a, that japanese like stationary store yeah they always have great pens and writing journals and stuff and they're right. not and they're not expensive that's mm -hmm. like that's guaranteed too i can i can avoid buying like a cartier watch quite easily <laughs> <laughs> but but i can't avoid i can't avoid cheap uh you know interesting stationary items that's I agree. Mm. It means doesn't it mean like no brand in Japanese? I think Muji. Is that what it means? Oh, Muji yeah, it's something. Means That's no part brand? of their branding is like no brand, like yeah, no logo, corporate logo. It's sent. I, yeah, it kind of means like no logo. That's what I heard. I, I haven't fact checked it, oh. but I think. I mean, that's their whole aesthetic. Is hmm. it's just plain 
stuff. Kind of. it's, yeah, it's elegant, but but it's, it's but simple very, very well simple. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Surprise podcast. Right. Is your Muji story? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> You've been listening to Research Conversations podcast with host V Vale, brought to you by Research Books. Thanks for listening. <laughs>